welcome and a very warm welcome to this edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. Now, I am very happy to be joined here today by two representatives of the leading international law firm, Herbert Smith Freehills. This being Vanessa Kingsmill, who is the head of Alt Johannesburg, and her colleague Nassim Amiamia, who is a senior manager at Alt Johannesburg, also at the firm. Now, we're going to explain what Alt is and the wondrous work that they do because we are speaking, still basking in a wonderful piece of recognition that the Alt team at Herbert Smith Freehills received at the African Legal Awards 2021, which were hosted earlier this month. This recognition being named Alternative Legal Services Provider of the year. Now we're going to dive into what this means, why they were recognized, and indeed what alternative legal services even are. So with that in mind, my first question is for Vanessa. Now we've already mentioned alternative legal services or ALT in the podcast intro, but for the uninitiated, what are alternative legal services? And most importantly, what role does this play in the modern legal ecosystem? Hi, Tom. and Thanks very much for having us. It's lovely to be here with you today. So alternative legal services, or new law, as it's sometimes called, deals with the parts of legal matters or processes that are data or document heavy or routine or repeatable in nature and that can be streamlined and made more efficient using the right combination of people, process and technology. So to give you an example, this can be in contentious work like litigation or arbitration or other forms of legal disputes or transactional matters such as corporate commercial or real estate or finance, including large data or document heavy deals, routine or uh, repeat commercial contracting or mass contract amendments following, for example, a regulatory change like GDPR or POPI in the South African context. So think large volume, low complexity or repeat legal work, uh, really anything that we can put a process around and use technology to deliver faster. Uh, There are a number of players in the alternative legal service provider or ALSP space and these include law companies which employ lawyers but are not traditional law firms, LPOs, um, legal process outsourcers, pure technology companies um, and the big four accountancy firms also play in this space. And then there are law firms like Herbert Smith Freehills with an alt alternative legal services division. Um, These are also known sometimes as law firm captives in the industry, where the alt team forms part of an end-to-end service to the client, which is delivered by the law firm. Coming on to the second part of your question about the role that alternative legal services plays in the legal ecosystem. Um, For me, it's about the right people being able to do the right tasks And that frees up the specialist lawyers, whether within law firms or in the in-house legal teams of clients, to focus on the more complex uh, strategic work. And obviously, the ultimate beneficiary is the client because they get a faster, more cost-effective overall legal service um, with better visibility of the work that's being done and access to real-time reporting and management information. 
people often ask why it's called alternative. And I actually think it's a bit of a misnomer because um, we don't view our work as alternative to traditional legal advice. Um, we're never going to replace traditional lawyers. Clients will still need that specialist um, lawyer who brings real expertise. But we rather like to think of ourselves as additive. We are an essential and valuable part of the whole package that we offer to clients. Um, this sector has expanded rapidly in recent years, um, although, as you know, it's probably um, still relatively new in the African market. But with pressure from clients to deliver more for less, to me, it certainly looks like it's set to grow further and faster in the coming years. Thanks very much for that clarification there, Vanessa. I think that will certainly illuminate something which is uh, very misunderstood. Like you say, you know, the misnomer of alternative doesn't really need to be considered as alternative anymore. It's just a seamlessly integrated component of many legal matters. So, Nassim, I wanted to pivot over to you here. As I understand it, alt services, and this was referenced by Vanessa, can intersect both commercial advisory matters, but also litigious or dispute-based undertakings. Can you shed a little more light on how this works in practice? And further, how can this work to both the benefit of the wider firm, the law firm itself, and most importantly, I'm sure you'll agree, how does it benefit the customers? Thanks, Tom. And uh, thank you so much uh, to yourself for hosting us and obviously your erstwhile listeners. I think um, I'll, I'll start that question um, of, of some of the latter points. Uh, I think more importantly, what it's done is it's positioned the firm to be completely end-to-end -end as the market has started to disaggregate amongst you know, traditional space um as well as the 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 more let's call it the new law flavor that's coming through um so as vanessa mentioned uh, our services uh, in alt johannesburg span both the transactional and disputes uh, type of mandates so effectively the alt team are, are looking at uh, breaking up the repeat type flows and disaggregating these services so we look for 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 the repeat tasks and we service those accordingly so to give effect to this, uh, we have a centralized managed team, uh, management team within Johannesburg, which oversees these two delivery arms. And our work is delivered by a team of qualified lawyers, uh, technologists, and law graduates. And they all focus on the delivery and driving the cost efficiencies inherent in this type of approach to legal services. Uh, work on the dispute side uh, can range from reviewing huge volumes of documents. Um, uh, to give you an inclination, I, I've seen some of them come through the door, which range up to about a million, two million documents at a time. Um, and over to disclosure exercises in large scale litigation or arbitration hearings uh, to otherwise conducting confidential internal investigations for a client. And basically they're focusing on, on managing these large volumes of, of, of uh, documents that come through. Um, and I think it, you know, it, it stretches further to smaller value claims with similar issues to large class actions. So it's, it's a full spectrum ac across that high volume uh, contentious type matters. Uh, on the corporate side, um, we work on high profile deals. So we, we do the general contract review, um, so such as due diligence exercises on M&A deals uh, or some 
We support the pre-listing activities. Uh, so we do verification exercises for IPOs. That's where, before the prospectus goes out, um, you know, we, we do a lot of background research uh, and we confirm that everything is truthful um, to help clients get their, their pre-listing activities in order. But increasingly, what we're seeing uh, is more a demand of the business as usual type services on a day-to-day -day basis. So we have seen across the spectrum and across sectors really, that in-house teams are being required to deliver more for less. And this is usually up against headcount freezes. So you know they aren't able to, to pull in uh, new heads to help with the volumes. And otherwise they're facing considerable budget cuts. Uh, it's typically that the, the legal teams see their budgets being cut um, be, before others within businesses. And so while they may still seek the traditional specialist legal advice on the more high value or high risk engagements uh, that are typically uh, business critical from a growth or continuity perspective, they instruct us to help them with what is a really stifling in-house teams from delivering against their core business objective. So these repeat support requests from their sales, procurement, operations teams, uh, which are usually urgent uh, and take their focus away from the important. So um, to your question about the benefit of this, uh, as a leading global law firm, uh, we have the capability and expertise to introduce specific process design, resourcing and tool deployment techniques to otherwise make sure that we take the administrative and delivery burden off the in-house teams on a day-to-day -day basis. So in effect, we ultimately give them back the time and control and handle their recurring mandates at an extremely effective price point. Uh, and of course, um, being the full end-to-end -end service that uh, Herbert Smith provides, uh, there's always easy access to the firm's uh, wider specialist teams should a client need this. Thanks for that, Nassim. And I think you've touched upon a bit of a juxtaposition here. So on one hand, we have, you know, the more for less mantra, which in-house legal teams are, are, are constantly seem to be under. And then you've got 2 million documents flying through a door. So just for a point of clarification, if it wasn't alt reviewing these documents, or if it was a firm that didn't have access to a alt department, who would be doing it? Is this going to be associates, junior associates, in the doc review dungeon, as I used to call it, um, you know, charged at a billable rate. Is that where the, I mean, the cost savings would be astronomical there, but is that, is that, is that a true reflection of the alternative? Yeah, I, I think it goes deeper, right? So what, what you'd effectively have, um, you know, there's, there's a misnomer that, you know, everything's going to be solved with hashtag legal tech, right? Um, and I think really what we're getting at is we know, firstly, uh, you know the the holy intersection between process, people, and technology. Um, but where that's really getting to is that it's 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 moving us towards a more data centric approach to legal services. So over time, we've learned with the, through that intersection that there are ways of making things either quicker or just more streamlined, um, and using technology to augment this. So uh, to your question. What you'd effectively have, and to give you more of a practical example, yes, you know, you, you would be at the behest of, say, the billable hour um, or a or a barrage uh, of of associates, senior associates, burning hot um, at, at high rates. Uh, what we do is 
we effectively use uh, technology to augment that first line review. So we're able to sift down the document tranche sets to those that are actually relevant. Because uh, normally, you know, um, for example, in, in an open-ended discovery, you know, you're meant to open, uh, you know, your, your, your archives, your files, um, and then there's a sifting exercise to determine what's relevant. Here, we, we, we take away that pain up front. Um, so we, we consolidate the information. We, we use um, sufficient tools to, to garner what's relevant. And then the team um, introduces uh, effectively priced resources to then uh, introduce that value judgment element of sifting through what is actually relevant. Thanks, Sam. I think it's a great a practical example, as you say, of that PPT, people, process, and technology trifecta, the holy grail, as you as you reference. <laughs> now, I want to pivot over to Vanessa once again here. Now, the African Legal Awards, as we've mentioned, saw a big win for the team, but the development of the alt team in South Africa isn't a new thing. So, for my benefit and our reader, our listeners. Talk us through some of the key developmental milestones of the division and further, how these, to your mind, culminated into being recognized as the pick of the bunch amongst your peers. Uh, yes, uh, as you say, Tom, Johannesburg isn't the first piece in the alt puzzle. Um, we're part of a very well-established global network of hubs, the first of which was actually set up in Belfast in 2011, when Herbert Smith Freehills became um, the first international firm to launch a nearshore operation in the UK. Since then, we've opened 10 other hubs, including in the US, in China, several in Australia, and in Africa, with Johannesburg opening in 2017. And there were some obvious reasons for choosing this as a location. The wealth of legal talent, um, the language capability, it's a convenient time zone. You have advanced technology systems here um, and great infrastructure and, of course, um, ease of travel. Well, pre-COVID anyway. Um, as a practice group, we've grown tremendously since 2011 and we now have nearly 400 lawyers, technologists and legal analysts who all work together across the globe. Um, another milestone in our development was the launch of our global cloud-based technology platform. About This was about six months ago. And that really enables us to, um, to, to work around the clock and in a follow-the-sun working model. So this means that we can pass work around the globe to deliver faster for our clients. Uh, the platform has uh, a number of benefits, including being accessible by all of our teams with the same user experience and technology toolkit wherever they are in the world, um, and the ability as well to house all of our clients' data and documents securely in one place. I think what I'm most proud of in terms of milestones and our journey so far uh, and this is what we were noted for by the African Legal Awards judges when they were awarding us the Alternative Service Provider of the Year Award. And that was not only our impressive revenue growth, but also our employee value proposition, particularly through targeted training from graduate level. And this really was referring to our international legal development program, 
or ILDP, which is a program for law grads who come straight from university and we offer them work experience as well as personal and professional development over a period of 18 months. Um, in just four years, we have had 65 graduates participating in the program and this has provided them with readiness for articles or other professional roles and in turn um, considerably improved their prospects of employment in a highly competitive sector and also in a country, of course, where there is a very, very high level of unemployment. So in summary, I think our global footprint, um, our advanced technology, our growth and our people-focused culture have all come together to make us, as you call it, um, the pick of the bunch. Thanks, Vanessa. It is a real success story. So it's great to have that extra bit of detail, a bit of colour to this story as well. Nassim, back to you here and a, a bit of a personal question here um, in relation to your own development and, and entry into the firm. Now, a career in law has traditionally been one of the most mapped out or linear when compared with other sectors, but it's increasingly obvious that this is no longer the case. Now, with your personal story in mind, what was it that first attracted and continues to attract about working in alternative legal services? And further to this, what are some of the problems, issues or barriers which you're most invested in solving through your work in this regard? Thanks again, Tom. Uh, look, lawyers generally like to see the ladder in front of them. I think that's how they're built, that's how they're groomed. Um, and I think for me personally, you know, my core focus is is more on the commercial engagements. So as a commercial lawyer, I'm interested in the high volume, repeat business to business engagements, like you know, NDAs, uh, those documents that cover procurement of goods, general service agreements, those day-to-day -day contracts that are taking up a greater portion of in-house lawyers' time I'm looking at ways of enabling business. So almost being a friend to business as opposed to uh, them only coming to us when it's sort of bet the family farm type matters that they need support. So with that in mind, I think early on in my career, I very much felt like I was in a rinse cycle on repeat in chasing the biggest and most complex deals, you know, to then convert these into time against the proverbial billable hour. But my heart wasn't in this space. Uh, I didn't fit this mold. My my passion was always aiding businesses, uh, being an enabler with regard to their routine contracting and reinventing how the practice, practice of law was approached in servicing what in-house counsel or procurement or procurement teams needed on a day-to-day -day basis, not necessarily these bespoke one-off type transactions. The, the key motivation for me is to commoditize how commercial legal services are delivered in this space, particularly with reference to these high volume repeat type contracts. And likewise, to give like-minded practitioners the space to reinvent what commercial legal services looks like. From a career perspective, it's an interesting one. Uh, since these types of services, and let, let's call them the business as usual or managed legal services are becoming more mainstream, new and exciting roles are being created. Uh, for example, the, the role I'm in, a senior manager within the alt corporates 
team at Herbert Smith Freehills. It didn't exist three years ago. Uh, and I think what's interesting is that there are these new and incredible roles in the pipeline which further merge strategy, process optimization, and of course, you know, the, the core legal technical skill sets as the services mature and evolve. Um, it's quite an exciting space to be in from a career growth and trajectory perspective, as you can influence your, your next role and what it looks like, uh, as well as fully enhance what legal service delivery looks like, uh, and more so from adopting learnings from outside the legal services industry. So it's quite an exciting place to be. Um, and I think it does give a, a home to those that are at their core lawyers, uh, but are looking for an alternative um, and a space where you know they, they can exercise their creativity and value judgment a bit more freely. I think it's great insight, Nassim, and I think you've hit the nail on the head on something. So everyone's always talking about client-centric, client-centric, client-centric. And for me, I try and simplify things down when I'm engaging with our customers. And I think what, I sounds really corny, but what can spark joy, okay? If you're providing a service, which means an in-house legal department is no longer having their sales team send them 40 NDAs or 40 uh, sales orders every single week, which they have to spend the same half an hour redlining, it isn't the sexiest work in the world. It isn't bet the company work. But if you solve that problem for an in-house lawyer, I guarantee you're sparking joy. And it's good to hear a representative of an international law firm talk about the the kind of work that will truly evoke a sense of well-being and calmness and joy in their customer, rather than thinking it always has to be, that's where we close the $2 billion transaction and everyone was really happy. That's almost relief. But if you're solving the day-to-day -day monotonies of someone, that can be even more potent and secure customers for life. Uh, I mean, does that resonate with you? Yes, completely, completely. And I, I, I think... Um... What's really interesting is that uh, probably for for law firms themselves, this is maybe the untapped market. You know, uh, historically, you know, approaching a, a law firm, for example, an NDA, you know, it, it probably would have felt too expensive or just wasn't warranted to brief outside counsel. But when you come in with a more holistic service and you say, look, your NDA is a precursor to maybe an investment, for example, we can do both for you, all right? And we can then also help you, you know, introduce process optimization. And I don't want to use that as a cliche. What I mean by that is we know that they're going to come up, say your, your, your business is an investment house in particular. We know that these NDAs are going to come up all the time, okay? We can take that pressure off, um, and we can, yes, absolutely, we can solve the monotony, uh, as you say. Um, from us, from our perspective, we don't look at it as monotonous because in the background, we are introducing an interesting balance between core legal technical skill sets to make sure that, you know, these, these documents are regularized and negotiated um, on favorable terms for our clients. But also that's where the learnings from outside of law become interesting. For example, 
if these are repeat type contracts, um, think of it in the IT parlance, you know, um, normally they'd raise a ticket and you get level one, level two, level three, level four support coming back at you to help you get through it. Fr from our perspective, those industries and an IT industry in particular has solved this conundrum of these repeat type requests, you know, um, level one, they're going to tell you to restart your, your computer, <laughs> but you know, we can get deeper and in the background, we're mapping the process flows. We're, we're looking at um, what are the sources of attrition uh, in terms of time, in terms of cost? How can we reduce these? Um, we're looking at the right level of skill set um, at each of the stage gates, for example, that uh, uh, any contract moves through. So, you know, there's the inception or the absorption from the law firm. So let's call it intake. Um, post that, something needs to happen with the document. So is it a review? Is it a preparing of a template? Um, you know, there, there are a barrage of tools that, that can be used. And so we remain tech agnostic on that front. Uh, we introduce the right tool at the right time and not sort of punting the silver bullet. Then there's probably a negotiation element. So, um, you know, what are the positions that we can adopt? Can we house this knowledge for your business? Can we aggregate it for you in one consolidated place that this is how you like things negotiated? Um, and then obviously there's the conformance or the preparation of the document for signature. Likewise, it's a blend of tools um, if, if you want to have it automated or, or just good old fashioned outlook and word. Um, so it, it really opens up this much more lateral thought in servicing these. And I think that's for us is where the joy comes in. Um, we're comfortable in our core technical legal skill sets, uh, and we, you know, we implore a lot of double loop learning so that, you know, if something is not working, you know, we're, we've got a very open environment where we can test the underlying assumptions as to how did we get to this point and what can we regularize or, or, or which parts of the process can, can we unpack uh, to drive more efficiencies and get it working much more efficient. Nassim, you're lucky your answer was comprehensive enough for me to forgive you the triggering statement around raising an IT ticket that you that you made, because obviously that could could send post-traumatic stress uh, uh, surging through my veins. Um, but you, you're forgiven with such a great answer. Um, Vanessa, I wanted to turn to you for a closing question here. And uh, I didn't want to let you off the hook when it comes to some professional or career insight here. And it's a question I've asked many times, but if you could somehow give advice to your younger self at the very start of their career, what would that advice be and why? That's a, a great question. It's always easy to, to look back um, uh, and, and be wise in hindsight. But um, for me, I think uh, one piece of advice I would give to young um, law students or professionals starting out is that law careers don't need to be linear. When I started in, in practice um, in a very traditional uh, law firm, I could never have envisaged that my career journey would have taken the path that it did. And certainly alternative legal services didn't exist at the time. So my advice, I guess, would be to be curious and to keep an eye on the market and to be open to and grab any opportunities that come your way.
Thank you very much for that insight, Vanessa. And I hate to say that does bring us to a close. So a very big thank you to Vanessa and Nassim for joining me today. It's been a wonderful conversation. And as always, a very big thank you to all of our listeners. If you are new to the Africa Legal Podcast, don't forget that you can peruse the entire back catalogue on all good podcast service providers, including SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, and and as always, be sure to visit us at africalegal.com for all the news, views and insights that improve your life as a modern African legal practitioner. So without further ado, this has been Vanessa, Nassim and Tom signing off for the Africa Legal Podcast.